friend of mine just posted on his Instagram story that he's in like an abandoned old smokestack. And I, I had the time for the last two minutes. I like kept like, re- I'm like, oh my gosh, what's the word for someone who loves abandoned places? What is it? What's about, there has to be some psychological paper, maybe on JSTOR. Look it up, Julie. My coffee has kicked in. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, all right, everyone, welcome to Historical Shade. Um, we are not historians, blah, 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 blah. You know the gist. I'm sure you started from episode one or like a few episodes ago, because this is a part two episode. Um, so where we left off last week on Historical Shade was uh, Julie Carr told us that... What's oh, her? this is my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Tell okay. us last week on Historical Shade. I was like, I want to hear where Laura goes with this. Yeah, so we were talking about Elizabeth Ware Packard, who is one of the many, many examples, uh, unfortunately, that we have so many examples of women in the 19th century that were institutionalized in mental um, asylums and institutions uh, for being insane and other various mental illnesses. Uh, usually by their husbands. Uh, This was a very common practice and it was really ultimately a way of sort of controlling women and controlling how they behaved and and how they were expected to fit into society. And if they didn't fit into those molds, that essentially meant that they were mentally unstable. And like this, yeah, that was great. That was great. and I just want to say that, like, this is, it's in the 1860s is when this story takes place. But even, like, the first episode of Mad Men, which is one of my favorite shows, um, did you watch it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first episode of Mad Men, for those of you who've been not watching it, watch it, because it's phenomenal. Um, Betty Draper has an anxiety attack or panic attack. The, the lead's wife has a panic attack. And she goes to a psychologist or psychiatrist and the psychiatrist then calls her husband to talk about her mental health not her her husband like it's still we are we are in a different time like I think it's I went and saw hairspray last night and I think the older I get because that came out when I was in high school and I was like that was so long ago and the older I get I was like that we are a blip like our lifelines are a blip and like we are so close to when we're like oh so long ago these crazy things happen it's like it really wasn't that long ago so even the 1860s feels like a long time ago but it really like this stuff was happening up you know I for a while after that so yeah I mean there's just there's so much around mental health because in in this particular case with Elizabeth Packard she's not insane Mm-hmm. Um, but then on top of that, like the, the changes in how we diagnose, uh, people with, you know, mental health disorders and, and how we treat that and take care of them. And, you know, just the, the like ridiculous stigma that was attached for so long. And, and to your point about Betty Draper, what she's experienced is, is, is very real and very much something that a man could also be experiencing. Mm-hmm. But it's completely skewed and looked upon differently because of who she is. And mm-hmm. and luckily in the case of Mad Men, she's at least a a privileged individual. Mm-hmm. Um if she were less privileged, they would probably like throw her in jail or something. So yeah. So there's a lot to unpack and I feel like we're 
going to be un- unpacking mental health in this country for a very long time. Yeah. Speaking of unpacking, Packard. <laughs> I'm trying to make good segues and they're worse every time. Continue. <laughs> All right. So when last we met, we have just received the verdict that uh, the jury has found Elizabeth Packard to be sane. So she is now out of prison. Um, and so they go back and like some sources say she and her husband divorced. Some say they just separated and like never just dealt with each other. Um, so in her asylum notes, Packard recorded that she understood that angry words, the utterances of my natural indignation would likely be construed literally as madness. Thus she said, uh, reason taught me to be quiet while in the asylum that I might rage all the more vehemently when I got out. So now she declared my pen shall rage. If my tongue didn't, it shall rage and it will rage until he whose right it is shall rule over humanity. Oh Uh, my gosh. I, I want a shirt or a, anything that says my pen shall rage if my tongue didn't. Right. And it will rage until he who's right it is shall rule over humanity. Yeah. What do they call it? Like a chef's kiss? (laughs) A mic drop. (laughs) Uh, So in, so here's another quote in uh, volume 14 of Packard's progress. uh, There's a clipping of an article by Daniel Lombardo, Jones library curator. Mm-hmm. And he says, in March of 1866, Elizabeth Packard walked into the offices of the Hampshire and Franklin Express in Amherst and announced the publication of her new book. The astonishing story told in the book, titled Mar- Martial Power Exemplified in Mrs. Packard's Trial, spread quickly. Mrs. Packard had been declared insane for her religious views and placed in an, in an asylum by her husband. Her book was a bombshell aimed at her respected husband, a minister, and the entire male-dominated judicial system. Uh, Theophilus Packard, her husband, attended both Amherst Academy and Amherst College, graduating in 1823. Uh, In 1839, he married Elizabeth Ware of South Deofield, and they lived in Shelburne, where he was a preacher. Um, Can I throw some shade in there that I think is very funny. Mm-hmm. So was it her book named Packard's Progress or someone else wrote a book named Packard's Progress? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. So one of the main um, literary works used in Calvinism is called Pilgrim's, Pilgrim's Pro- Progress. Progress. Oh, it's got to be Elizabeth's book then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a way to be like, Calvinism, Packard's Progress. <laughs> Continue. Oh, wait. Oh, Oh, this is fantastic. Okay, let me, let me. So Packard's progress is, okay, so Packed with Packards, uh, the author of Packed with Packards also Uh wrote Packard's progress, a family newsletter once issued by the Packard family. Oh, nice. So... I don't know that the Packard's some time ago, I wrote about in my family history briefly Packard's progress a family newsletter once addressed by the Packard family once issued by the Packard family specifically. 
So I don't think the author of Packed with Packards created Packards Progress. Uh -huh. I think they just talked about it. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. cool There's cool. so many plosives. <laughs> Starting in 2011, genealogist Dale H. Cook began posting volumes of this publication online, even though he does not have the complete collection as of yet. Here we go. In the years since then, Cook proposed creating a new version of the publication, but according to the message boards of the Packard surname, there has been no progress on this front. <laughs> so many plosives. <laughs> uh, where was I? Talking about Daniel Lombardo's article. Uh, mm -hmm. So he said, um, uh, it was after the family moved to Mantino, Illinois, that the marriage broke down and became the subject of newspaper articles from Chicago to Boston. Let me be clear, sir. It wasn't the marriage breakdown that became the uh, subject. It was the woman being in an insane asylum um, and then I mean, suing. They, they both had an equal part in it, Julie. <laughs> there are good people on both sides. So Theophilus was an immovable Calvinist. He believed that man's total depravity and that God had foreordained some to be saved and some to be damned. Uh, Elizabeth came to the belief that humans have free will and are accountable to God for their actions. She also thought slavery was a national sin. Her husband- Lock her up. Come <laughs> on. Come on. Oh, and this is 1860s. Yeah. Oh, shit. Her husband, here's another great quote from her husband. He considered these views the, quote, vagaries of a crazed brain. Because she didn't believe in slavery? Come yeah. on, come, I'm going to throw a table. I'm going to throw something. Uh, here's some more details about when she was taking the insane asylum. I, I like that I put this in the middle because this is a two-parter, um, yeah. is, is what my excuse is, and I'm just pulling us back into the story. So early on the morning of June 18th, when she was prepared to take a bath, she hastily tried to dress, uh, but a group of two physicians and a sheriff smashed through a window and entered the room. She was in a state of almost entire nudity, um, and the physician declared her insane. Uh, yeah, I was right. She had six children. I think I actually said three. She had six children. She was, was insane because she was nude and like, get the fuck out of the bathroom. <laughs> like, it was just like everything. Like, just her entire existence. Like, they would. They, would smashed, just, like, they smashed through the window and she was naked in a time where, like, like, I would be a crazy woman too if you did that today. But could you imagine, like, the 1860s when you have like 17 layers to put on and you're just like, get the fuck out of my bathroom? And they're like, insane. She's insane. She didn't let us look at her naked. But then if she was like, get a peep boys they'd be like insane yeah there they, it, <laughs> there's no winning nothing you could do it's lose-lose situation uh so the the book that i said she wrote 700 page allegory so she had a lot to say that's some deathly hallows right <laughs> so let's go back to where we last met elizabeth packard the jury has found her sane with cheers in every part of the courtroom women are waving their handkerchiefs Woo! um so Theophilus leaves the state. He takes the children um, with, and he goes to most likely his sister's house, the one that testified uh, against Elizabeth, uh, where a number of people there believing his story of flight 
from an insane wife. Oh, poor man. Luckily poor for us, though. Oh, I know. She's but he still has the so kids. Yeah. Still has the kids. Uh, also, she has no property anymore. Uh, so a great groundswell of support for Elizabeth had developed as major newspapers picked up the story. And she moved to her brother's house and starts publishing these books and pamphlets. She then, um, she petitioned the Massachusetts legislature to make it virtually impossible for a husband to commit a healthy wife to an asylum. Mm-hmm. She also helps change laws in Illinois, Iowa, and Maine. And the sales of her books, they saw her regain financial independence. So she, so it's almost like this is like a whole essentially career for her. So she, she uses this publicity uh, to campaign successfully for the chain, the ways in which individuals are committed to asylums. Mm-hmm. Um, an article in the Atlantic goes into more depth. They note that after separating from her husband, Elizabeth Packard founded the Anti-Insane Asylum Society. Yes. Yeah. Campaigned for divorced women to retain custody of their children. These reforms called Packard Laws increased the number of people involved in the commitment process. So Mm -hmm. it was no longer a situation of a husband just being like, oh, she crazy. And then be like, okay. Uh, individuals, <laughs> individuals could no longer be forcibly confined on the testimony of a few. Mm. Uh, she was concerned with cases like her own where like the biased testimony from husbands or other men who had unjustly committed women to silence often for like years. Yeah. Um, she also successfully campaigned for divorced women to retain financial support and custody of their children. So within her lifetime, four states revised their commitment laws, uh, mm-hmm. and Illinois passed a married women's property law. Uh, so it's interesting because like we we went from if a woman divorces the husband, the husband gets the kids, the women have no custody. Like there's not even a question. Mm-hmm. To now there's a custody battle, and it skews toward the women. Mm-hmm. To like now we're in the position of like no. It, it, like if you're having a custody, it should, it should go to like, who's going to be the better parent. Yeah. So it's interesting, like how we've watched that swing. Um, but also like the unintended consequences of being put in an asylum, which is like already like terrible enough that yeah. someone would just be like, they're crazy. And you're in an asylum for years, but then you get out and you literally have nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, we, we pendulum swing for like a lot of things. Like we go like, you know, my dad, I don't know this specific statistic, but like in the seventies, when he got my brothers and sisters, he was like the first man in like the Southwestern Pennsylvania to get custody of his kid, like full custody. Um, because it was so like on the women, it was like, just assumed that the women would get it. Yeah. And so he, um, First off, my dad's just amazing and he's a great dad. But like, there were many reasons why he should have got it. So he was like one of the first men to get full custody. Um, and it was like a big shock to everyone because it's like, well, the mom's going to get it, obviously. And then the dad's yeah. going to get it. Yeah. And it, it's so like, it feels like that's where we do like a lot of things. It's like a full 
pendulum swim. I mean, you yeah. look at like the elections and how we go from like one extreme to another. Mm-hmm. There's, it's like we're not capable of having a middle ground. Yeah. Like, like it's really hard to compromise. I mean, like, and we're also set up that, like, not, no, I'm, this is a political conversation, but we're set up that way, right? Like, we have two main parties. So obviously, we're going to pendulum swing. If we had three or four, or five, like, there's no middle ground in, in any of that. I mean, yes, there are independent parties and Green Party and all, you know, but. But the primaries are set up that like you have to, because I was independent for a long time and the primaries are set up that like, if you're not Democrat or Republican, you can't really do anything. So um, yeah, anyway. So I think that like it forces us to, and like even scientifically like born man or woman, you know, like, and then so there are these gender roles that are pendulum swinging and now we're finally in a place where like the gender roles are starting to, meld together and we're not seeing them as one or the other um but for years it was like oh well the provider's the man and then it's like no women can be providers too so it's all going over here and then the, it's like well they both can be providers a human yeah. anyone who's a human can provide um so anyway i don't know where that tangent was going continue julie <laughs> uh so i when last we met i promised sort of a a list of um reasons people could be declared insane mm-hmm. uh can i as we play this game can i check a box if i'm one of them oh my gosh yes okay so <laughs> i, I have now. are you insane <laughs> so i have two different sort of uh documents so the first is uh women in, admitted to the mendota mental asylum between 1869 and 1872 Okay. So he, we have one that's a 17 year old who was insane by suppressed menses. So like didn't have a period. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bad box. (laughs) uh, A 50 year old who was insane by religious matters. I could have checked that box. Somebody insane by religious fantasy. Well, what is, I, I don't want it. That I will tell you, this is a 39-year-old who had eight children. And just was like, I'm crazy now. <laughs> um, insane by unknown cause. Okay. Insane by heredity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's a 25-year-old with two children who was insane by overexertion. Yeah, check mark. Check, check mark that one. I don't have two children, but... Um, a 46-year-old who was also insane by suppressed menses. It's called menopause. Uh, a 30-year-old with five children who was insane by abortion. A 40-year-old with 10 children who was insane by loss of property. Uh, mental excitement. Oh, yeah. Childbirth and nymphomania. So postpartum and then love sex. Yeah. Uh, so then here's a, another thing, which I don't know what this, what the document came from, but it was reasons for admission, 1864 to 1889. Uh, so this is just like a list of re- reasons. So this is the one you want to check off. Right. Um, intemperance and business trouble, kicked check. in the head by a horse. No. Ill- <laughs> 
Ill treatment by husband. Check. <laughs> uh, hysteria, immoral life. Uh, sometimes. Saturday night every once in a while. Uh, marriage of son. No. <laughs> Masturbation and syphilis. Masturbation for 30 years. Medicine to prevent contra- conception. Menstrual. Oh, so birth control. If yeah. you take birth control, lock her up. Uh, menstrual deranged novel reading. Oh, we're both. Yeah. Yeah. Opium habit, overaction of the mind, overstudy of religion. So if you're too, <gasps> you, you can be too religious. You can be like over religious and you can be under religious. But can you just be like religious? I bet that's not if you're a woman in the 19th century, you can. <laughs> Um, oh, overtaxing of mental powers. <laughs> Parents were cousins. <laughs> Periodical fits, tobacco and masturbation, political excitement. Check. So, like half the people of the Trump rally. Uh, um, wait, so, I want to go back to tobacco and masturbation. So, is this someone who, like, they were smoking tobacco, like smoking a cig or a pipe while? masturbating someone walked in was like insane go (laughs) maybe i don't know because tobacco alone isn't enough yeah but once you masturbate basically anything with masturbation yeah um fits and divert the desertion of husband asthma oh uh bad whiskey so i guess if you have bad taste in whiskey you're insane (laughs) i mean i I agree with that that. Yeah. yeah (laughs) <laughs> um business nerves you drink old dan tucker no get in that asylum i'm done with you congestion of brain right. um death of sons in war i mean that i i think if you so there are some things that it's like if it's just making you want to chill out uh deranged masturbation <laughs> oh uh uh the domestic affliction i think that's code for they won't clean okay (laughs) i mean Uh, or that could be like they're they're suffering from domestic abuse and being put in these well then there's domestic trouble okay that's they don't clean excessive sexual abuse well that's yeah 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 excitement as officer um fighting fire with fire the war here's one time of life i green day's time of your life came on the radio today. <laughs> i've heard that forever so <laughs> vicious vices women trouble Ooh, superstition what? i mean this is like all the reasons to go yeah. into the mental institution so some, the women trouble might apply to the men yeah oh okay um because i feel like i mean in this era if a woman had women trouble they would be considering it for other reasons yeah snuff eating for two years oh my gosh spinal irritation gathering in the head hard study so hard study hard study i understand like when i was doing my master's degree like i would have popped into an asylum real quick (laughs) 
Salvation Army. Okay. Uh, this next one's my favorite pairing. Seduction and Disappointment. That's the name of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fell from Horse in War. And finally, Female Disease. Dun, dun, dun. Seduction and Disappointment. So there's a lot to unpack with Elizabeth Packard. Oh, I, I just thought of that now. I just thought of that now. Um, I, I really highly recommend Packed with Packards. Uh, it's fascinating. And, and also just like in general, the, the Packard family line, mm-hmm. there's just so, just so many details. Um, and uh, yeah, just a, a lot of these journalistic articles and stuff it's it's interesting because like with a lot of these articles you can't get them unless it's like jstor or muse nowadays yeah um it's yeah it's really hard to find if you are not a collegiate person to find sources like i wish that people and maybe maybe they do and i just went to the wrong library but i wish that with um like how when like the comic books come out like you get the weeklies mm-hmm. and then you know every x amount of issues they'll release like the, the, the graphic omnibus. novel yeah because yeah. that's i mean that's how i do all of that mm-hmm. saves room and it's less expensive habit or maybe it's mm-hmm. more expensive i don't know i like bound books what can i say <laughs> i like bound books i i don't know what i ordered but you know how sometimes when you order things they give you the option to get a magazine subscription mm-hmm and it's always like initially checked that you want it mm-hmm. somewhere. I missed unchecking it. And now I like accidentally have a people subscription and it like, it makes me angry whenever I get it. Cause I'm like, I didn't ask for you and I don't know how to get rid of you. And you're just like wasting paper. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Very good, Julie. Very Thank good. Thank you. I loved it. I loved part one. I loved part two. Um, we didn't do future light in the last episode because we were on a cliffhanger. Yeah. So let's. I kind of dig that. I dig that it was like cliffhanger. You don't get a future light. You don't get one until next episode. So uh, what's your future light, Miss Julie? Uh, so this is kind of like silly and exciting, but hey, this yeah. is me. Yeah. Uh, I found out uh, that my husband has never played D&D. Like just never. Uh-huh experience that um it's very interesting what yeah really i'm sorry i just burped as i said what (laughs) i hope the microphone didn't catch that i hope it did no i it's it's a very big i think for everyone because i love board games i love them so i think everyone's like what and it's just i've never had anyone invite me it's not a like i wouldn't it is it is interesting because it's back to the pendulum thing I feel like it's pendulum swung to now it's like a cool thing to do. Yeah. Um, and I think that we have like, like there's like quite a few uh, celebrities that are super into D and D. Pittsburgh native Joe Maganello is super into D and D because he has his own D and D clothing line called death saves, not a sponsor, but Joe, if you want to be. Pittsburgh native. We'll meet up in the South side. We'll go to Mount Washington. We'll talk business. It'll be great. 
Uh, the other one that comes to mind for me is Vin Diesel. Oh, yeah. He plays with Joe Maganello. Oh, like, really? All, yeah, like all the LA Hollywood elite all play together in his like D&D basement. Oh, my God. And apparently, like, supposedly, like, um, was it Chronicles of Riddick? I'm going to laugh if it's Chronicles of Riddick because that would be the second time this week that has come up in conversation. Yeah. So apparently <laughs> on the set of the Chronicles of Riddick, he taught Judy Dench. <gasps> and now she, like... Like he, she plays with her, uh, her grandchildren. Oh my gosh! Could you imagine? First off, Grandma Judy Dench, but like playing where she's like the dungeon master. That'd be great. Okay, I'm going. I'm going down a wormhole to share this future life because I also just found an article that says Vin Diesel says the Fast and the Furious franchise was influenced by Dungeons and Dragons. There's um, an improv comedy club called Arcade in Pittsburgh that does uh, like every, like one Friday a month they do called Nights of the Arcade and it's a D&D inspired um, improv show and it's really fun. Oh man. Okay. So away from that spiral slightly yeah, because yeah, yeah. then we can have a whole thing. Anyway, he's never played. Mm-hmm. Um, and And there is that little string of like, it's super popular now and like people have like, their their campaigns and so when people have an existing campaign it's kind of like hard to get it in yeah um but i just like i i posted on on the social meds i was like hey my husband has never done this i would love for him to experience this and i was so thrilled at how many people are excited at the prospect so um we're we're not going to do dnd because it's like a full campaign um yeah. but a friend of ours has offered to um i guess if you're not playing DD, it's game master instead of dungeon master but we're gonna do um dungeon world mm-hmm. and and we're just gonna do like a one-off uh campaign and, and let him experience it i always want like i never wanted to play it until the community episode oh i never saw that <gasps> do you have hulu mm-hmm Watch it today or tomorrow. <laughs> That's your homework is watch the Dungeons and Dragons community episode. Does it matter that I haven't seen? Nope. Okay. Uh, have you seen the Key and Peel sketch about Dungeons and Dragons? No. So is that okay. my homework? That's your homework. Okay. There's also a, a Dr. Demento sketch from like years ago. Okay. And I, it's like an, like a, it's like an audio thing. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's so insanely funny and accurate. Cause it's like, the group and then like someone brings his girlfriend to the group (laughs) so that is my future light laura what is your future light um so sorry listeners so i think my future light i don't have like any i think i'm good to hibernate i think is what i'm excited for like i have a lot of stuff i'm i'm directing a high school musical this spring et cetera, and so forth but between um january and march in pennsylvania it's just real iffy right like if it's gonna snow or if it's gonna this and i think i'm really excited i got a whole bunch of books that i'm gonna read and just stuff i need to do and i have exercises to do and all that so I'm just excited to kind of like give myself an excuse to chill uh because I'm not very good at at 
not doing stuff. So I'm really going to try between January and March, because I have all this other stuff that I, I have to do to be like, if I'm not doing anything to allow myself time to settle. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I did get um, a craft beer that I'm also excited to cozy up to called London Fog. And it's based off of a London Fog like drink. So it's an ale with Earl Grey tea and vanilla. And it is like the perfect hibernating beer. Cause I can't really drink wine anymore. I've discovered this. So like, anyway, so I'm just excited to kind of hibernate for a little bit. That's yeah. It's interesting because I think coming from a place where the, the weather is good all year and there's, mm-hmm. there's always like things to go on because you have tourists and stuff like that. I, I really got into the habit of like, you always have to be doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas yeah just like with you, like this hybrid, anything, it's like, I'm, I'm excited about the winter to sort of focus on myself and and whether it be, you know, taking classes or, you know, working out or or whatever. I, I don't feel that pull of you don't have, you're not committed to a show. You don't have an upcoming show to talk about. Yeah. Um, cause they, there was so much of that, um, that I, I've had to work out of my system, this feeling of like, oh, you don't have a show lined up. That means you're a failure. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we're not failures. No, I'm just, I. Same with you, listener. You're not a failure. No, focus on the things that you're doing, not the things that you didn't get or you're not doing. Yeah. Um, I say as someone that focuses on the things that I didn't get. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we say it to you because we can't say it to ourselves. I live Speaking in it and I can health. tell you it's not healthy. Yeah. Speaking of mental health. Um, cool. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, we'll see you we'll see you next week. And by see ya, I mean, we're not showing up at your door. Uh, you'll, you'll hear our voices and we'll see that you've listened through our, through our data. Anyway, if you want us to see you more, email us. That's all. Bye, everybody. Bye. underscore shade or facebook at historical shade we don't have a twitter thanks julie